Yeah, I think like the framework that um, I've always recommended has been like pinpointing, first of all, like companies that you see as your competitors. I like to work backwards. So I say, in a, especially in an environment like this, getting as specific as possible with like the funds and the individuals you speak to are the best things you can do. Go and figure out every one of your competitors who is on their cap table, like whether it's just like looking at their portfolios, list all those people out, um, and then just figure out if there's any other companies within the realm that they've invested in that are similar to yours. List out all of those investors from angel investors, pre-seed to maybe like seed and then pre-series A. List all those people out on a Google spreadsheet. I think every founder should have an mm -hmm. email list of like 50 investors or VCs that they really trust that they know is like not going to share their information. Send that Google spreadsheet to 50 VCs and investors and ask them to put down like who they know in that list and then get warm introductions. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome again to yet another episode of the Undefeated Underdogs podcast. I'm your host, Sharad. Today, I have uh, an interesting guest uh, who's into VC. Zahra Nakwi, welcome to the show. Zahra, uh, how are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. I'm excited to see what your questions are and just um, share a little bit more about what um, I've been up to. And then, of course, would love to hear also your answers and responses to all the questions that you asked me. Absolutely. Yeah. As, as uh, so many of you know, I, I keep the conversation more authentic and there is no prep work. Uh, but I do have some questions uh, I've prepared for you. But before diving into the questions, I want to just give a brief intro of uh, Zahra. Zahra is a senior investment associate at Republic. You know, Republic, I'm a big fan of Republic. I love uh, you, what you guys are doing. Uh, she grew quickly from being an intern to where she is right now in like, what, less than two years. She's also a founder and a community builder. Uh, she she founded this company called Glow with her sister, if I'm not wrong, mm -hmm. and which I want to dive into deeper. But uh, yeah, Zahra, thanks for taking time. Appreciate you. I I wanna I wanna keep the conversation more authentic. And again, the guests guests I have are more diverse. They're not, you know doesn't belong to like one identity or so. I've had like creators, founders, and you know a uh, lot many people. And super interesting uh, looking at your background. You've done. Oh my God, you have, you've done so many things. I've, uh, I've went to, through your LinkedIn feed and man, I have to tell you, like, I don't know how did you manage getting so many internships and like working at so many different startups. So let's, let's dive into the story, uh, into your story. So right off the bat, I have like this question. Uh, tell me more about yourself. How did you ended up in, in VC? Uh, what, what came? What was like the trigger that came for you uh, where you were like, you know, working at Republic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think um, kind of as you referenced, I got into the space primarily from like the founder perspective. And I think it's interesting because now that I am kind of tangentially involved in the VC space, there's almost this notion that certain businesses that are VC backable are of more value than businesses that aren't. And the first company that I founded was certainly not VC backable. It um, was an e-commerce company and it was super successful. My younger sister and I ran it. And I think that was like the impetus towards like being a founder, 
creating things, just like wanting to build. And although that experience was really formative from my founder perspective, I think the internships I did throughout college went anywhere from like a pre-seed fintech company all the way to like series B consumer companies. And the constant conversation I was always hearing like the founder, the CEO talk about was fundraising. And I knew what VC was, obviously I'd heard about it, but seeing like a pre-seed fintech founder and then like a CPG series B founder have the same problems when it came to fundraising was just like something that kept coming up over and over and over again. And naturally from like the founder perspective and working with incredible founders, I wanted to understand who were these people on the other side? Like, what were they thinking of? How did they decide what they want to invest in? And what does that entire breakdown really look like? And so that was kind of like why I got interested in VC. And then I think naturally just had a lot of criticisms of the space. I think we can maybe kind of dive deeper into that. But Republic was one of the internships I had um, when I was at school. And it was such a unique combination of doing what like a VC analyst or a VC associate does, like talking to founders, looking at their financial statements, their cap tables, presenting to the investment committee. But at the same time, Republic was a startup when I joined. Uh, we had like 50 employees and now we have like 585. Mm -hmm. So, and this is like in less than two years. So I got to also be part of another startup, be like an operator and understand how the company planned on growing. So long story short, that was just kind of my foray into VC, just really seeing like the same problems that all types of founders were dealing dealing with, wanting to dive into it deeper, and then being presented this incredible opportunity. Mm. I mean, I did like chase a lot of Republic employees, <laughs> pitching them about me being an intern, which <laughs> went to my full-time job, but that's really kind of the journey that got me here. So you hustled. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was just joking, but no, that's, that's a very fascinating uh, way of looking at things, which is the number one question I have following up to your answer was, uh, I've 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 kept hearing a lot of these uh, founders turning into VCs, you know, or getting into venture capitalists, you know, in, the, in that business. Uh, I I kind of have an opinion on that uh, because I want to become like that, like build a venture backed business. Hopefully, like you know, make an impact eventually, like you know, uh, turn into an investor. You know, I see like there are some potential. Uh, not not doing this for money but it's it's about like paying it forward you know at least for me that's my kind of uh the way i look at things founders should become vcs eventually because they they actually have skin in the game and whatnot so i want to hear your take you're you're a founder yourself and you mentioned uh about vcs uh backing non-venture scaled ideas as well in 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 the in your answer so two things like why do you think founders should become VCs number one number two is uh, what's what's your what's your take on VCs backing non-venture ideas yeah I think the first just kind of the notion of like founders becoming VCs and what that path looks like every VC that I have spoken to that is has been a founder has been an operator um, really really early on in a startup are almost always the VCs who I think resonate with the founder journey at a much deeper level and these are typically mm -hmm. the investors who I think look at the more like pre-seed and seed level and I really do think that at that phase having experience in an early stage startup or being a founder is so informative because if you compare like my experiences to some of my friends who maybe work in consulting or banking they're not going to like mm -hmm. have the same perspective of what it means to actually like scale and build a startup and what 
qualities to look for because it's just like it's not right. really transferable. And I think sometimes people forget that like VC is an extension of traditional finance. And so there's not always just like the intuitive understanding of what it means to like build a company. And I think founders right. obviously have that perspective. And my whole like kind of perspective on the VC industry is that um, it needs to change to be more founder friendly, which I don't think it is at this point. I think we're at a turning point because of Twitter, because of accessibility, because of just events and community, like a huge fluff word, but like genuinely because of all of this, like founders are becoming more informed about their options and they're becoming more informed on how to understand like what a VC is looking for, but also how to protect themselves from deals that might be a little predatory or not giving away too many advisory shares. And so I think founders who become VCs understand the other side versus VCs who don't have that experience. And obviously I don't think it's a hard and fast rule. I think there are VCs who are incredible and they were never founders, never worked at a startup. Um, but I do just think that intuitive understanding almost just makes a VC more capable of a deeper understanding of just like who they're investing in. I think the second idea about like venture backable businesses and what that means, I think in the past like decade, we've seen a lot of, um, companies that are getting backed by VCs that maybe like 20 years ago wouldn't mm -hmm. have. And I really like that change right. in the space because I think VC, the VC like tech growth model is not the same model that you can apply to a consumer company. And there are VCs who will say like CPG is a waste, like CPG investing in, if for VCs, like the model doesn't make sense. And I would push back against that. I would say that VC has been developed to, for these like astronomically huge, like growing tech companies, which is like one subsect of it. But there are VCs who have incredibly thoughtful processes when it comes to investing mm. in consumer companies, in CPG companies who are changing the models that are used to assess different types of industries. And so I just hate the like whole notion where people will say like, that's not a venture backable idea as if though it's still not good. Enough, right. It's not like a good idea. So I feel like those, the pedestal and the hierarchy of like VC funding being the best and like taking out debt being like the worst. I think that hierarchy needs to be broken down. All types of fundraising for mm. all businesses should be considered equal kind of goes into the conversation mm. about the public and what we do here. But I think it needs to become more right. linear, linear and like flat as opposed to a hierarchy. Yeah, I, I love I love uh, I love your take on both answers, and I feel Republic is actually enabling that, right? Like as I, I saw, I've invested in Gumroad uh, through mm -hmm. Republic when you know I think back in 2020, I guess I, I don't remember, but and uh, there are like two things Republic does it really well. One is like how you mentioned, basically anybody can raise money, and Republic uses community as a as a leverage as a as a tool to open up that investment, you know, you don't have to necessarily go, you know, community investment is always uh, the right investment in my opinion, because of course, you know, VC investment is, is a separate discussion, but that, that bridge is something Republic is actually, you know, uh, you know, building it. Number one, number two is, uh, what was the other thing I forgot to mention? Uh, you were mentioning about, yeah. So I think it's not just tech or, you know, people who are building companies in Silicon Valley, right? Mm -hmm. There are like not just only consumer products or sexy products. Like there are so many other startups that are popping up, which are mm -hmm. much more values. You know, I think uh, Ryan, who were invested in, uh, I forgot the name, but they empower small businesses, like their mom and pop shops. Mm -hmm. And the, the same way Republic is actually like, you know, yeah. uh, empowering 
to invest in anything right so i really like that that angle i feel that's that's what republic is you know doing uh, on a different level uh so let's let's actually kind of go back to your origin story which i want to like dive into a little deeper so i saw you've you're from hong kong if i'm not wrong like are you mm-hmm. born and raised there and then you moved to the us so how did the whole transition happen and how did you end up in new york city <laughs> Yeah um so yeah I did grow up in Hong Kong and Singapore and then really like the transition to New York City was uh, when I was like younger and I had been running my company I think like every kid at some point just kind of like I don't know idolizes New York at some point and I think for me this is kind of a funny story but for me when I saw I think like Spider-Man 2 when I was like 9 years old I was like wow New York and it was just like something that kind of stuck in my mind but like really as I got older and I started looking at colleges um I really resonated with Columbia which is of course uptown here in New York City so um when I finished school in Hong Kong I moved to New York and part of the motivation was really because I think New York is becoming just like a huge I mean now it definitely is but even just like 10 years ago New York like was starting to just become like a huge tech startup ecosystem and a startup scene and i remember talking about i think people used to say that like chelsea and flatiron is where like all the startups are which is so true because i'm literally in the republic office and we're in flatiron but um i think that was like a huge motivation to come to new york it was kind of at the edge of all of these things and i ended up taking a course with jenny fielding at columbia who was an md at techstars and she was like she's a really huge reason why like tech companies moved to new york and so even being able to like take a class with her and that was like the first time i ever learned about venture capital and having her teach it was like so incredible and it was like one of the reasons i wanted to come to new york and go to school there and go to nice. columbia nice i love that i love that there is there is always some sort of a passion story uh for folks who move to the us you know i i've i've had the same uh similar you know uh reason why i want to move to uh us from india i want just like you know be be the best folks uh in the whole world and do something some things that are more impactful uh so love love that story by the way so the 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 startup i'm mentioning about earlier before where you mm-hmm. know it, it helps people to invest in small businesses it's called bonside you guys definitely check it out it 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 is really empowering uh, people to invest in like mom and pop shops in you know, a local mm-hmm. businesses so uh going back to your story i love uh i love that you're a founder who is getting into vc uh, and you're kind of like you know growing level by level so tell me about the story behind glow how did you and your younger sister came up with the idea tell me about the whole story Yeah, I think um when we came up with the idea, I was almost at like the the beginning of like the influencer era, which I reference because when we were like in Hong Kong, um growing up, YouTube now like democratized all the trends that were happening in America and then were coming to like East Asia, like our school in Hong Kong. and we all just kind of realized um there was this huge overwhelming demand for products and designs and trends that just did not exist in Hong Kong like we didn't have Topshop we didn't have Forever 21 we didn't have H&M so people were consuming <laughs> all this content that was now more easily democratized because of YouTube but there was almost right. this just like hunger to like get involved in that and i had always been creative and i i mean obviously with pakistani clothing and south asian clothing there's so much design that goes into it so i was very interested in fashion from mm-hmm. a really early age and because i realized mm. and just kind of noticed these like 
a rising demand in the Southeast, Southeast Asia region for those types of clothes. My sister and I basically mm. were like, we've had this interest in doing just fashion for a long time. And we wanted to go ahead and start with just like producing very, very simple, like demand and supply, and right. just like <laughs> really providing the clothing that we were seeing other like 12 and 14 year olds really wanting. And it's interesting because we started the company and um, this was like, I think 2000. 13 and um we scaled to like twenty thousand followers on instagram in like three months and this was primarily wow. in the southeast asian region so it was like clear that there was demand for this um and people mm. wanted it and my sister and i then just like continued to investigate influencer stuff so i like to say that we were like one of the first consumer companies that were doing this whole like influencer like mailing them products and they would post us and tag us and we would like track how many customers they brought and this was like literally over 10 years ago that we were doing this so it was really interesting because right. it was born out of very simple just need and the desire that we were seeing obviously like amongst myself and my sister and all of our friends and then it became like running this business where i learned so much more than i thought i would have that's awesome i love i love that story on on many levels i really like that you're kind of like you started off uh finding your own passion and eventually found you know the vc world so uh, i love that so let's let's switch gears a little bit and we talk about the the most the, uh, the elephant in the room which is now people most people are saying we're we're almost getting into recession right like and the market is of course it's still down uh, not many deals are popping up. Very few startups are actually raising money. Uh, how's the situation in, in, in Republic? Like you, you, what's, what's like the demand, you know, earlier it's different. Like I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming like you you get more deals, uh, like in 2020, 2021, but now that there is like a, you know, dip, right. How, how are you handling internally? You know, if you want to share, uh, what's, what's the situation like? Yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting question because um, you're exactly right. Like 2020 and 2021 in the whole VC ecosystem was just this huge boom. Like I, you mentioned that you invested in Gumroad. I think Gumroad like raised that $5 million in a handful of hours, if I'm not mistaken. And what's interesting is um, Republic, even though we've been here for six years and we spun out of Angelus, like that's where our founder was when he started Republic. And we've been building towards right. this reputability. I think the old school VC mentality that like, again, VC fundraising is the best and everything else just comes second. That's something that <laughs> we have to grapple with. And I think it's interesting because as you reference the like macroeconomic conditions are kind of worsening, VCs are not writing as many checks it's really hard to figure out like who is an active angel investor and i've had conversations right. with lots of founders who get frustrated because they have a conversation with a vc and it's clear they're not writing checks so it almost just becomes like wasted time it's interesting because i um i used to talk to at least like 40 to 50 founders a week since i've started this um, and being at republic and talking to founders and so many founders are right. coming back because they have loyal communities they have family and friends they have angel investors from earlier in their round and now they want Right. to do kind of platforms like Republic, because I think there's almost this like demonization of every other type of fundraising that's not VC. And I feel like there's this right. connotation that founders are afraid of where if they don't do VC, then it's like everything else is second best. So it's interesting because mm. of what's happening in the macroeconomic conditions and the way that VCs are just kind of grappling with it. So many more founders are kind of turning to these alternative fundraising methods, Republic included, debt included. I do a lot of talks about like all types of fundraising. So not just um, Reg CF, but just 
taking out debt, taking right. out a loan, angel investing, what does all of that look like? Right. So it's interesting because we are just having this influx coming back, I think, because of the macroeconomic conditions. And it's great because I'm hmm. I'm hoping that this moment will allow people to like no longer demonize certain types of fundraising and just like take VC fundraising off the pedestal. Again, I think everything needs to be considered equal. And so I'm glad to see more founders coming to just Republic's door and kind of wanting to learn more about what it looks like given, I mean, it's a horrible situation, but I think eventually it'll kind of lead to people seeing Republic and taking out debt, doing a loan, doing an SPV, an RUV, a Reg A, Reg D, whatever, and consider it at the same right. level as a VC. Yeah, I, I yeah, you know, like you said, that's 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 a fair point. Uh, it's not traditional anymore. Like you know, mm -hmm. with with debt debt income debt in place, you know, Republic like startups like Republic is enabling more community oriented investments. Mm -hmm. Angel investment is like pretty traditional, but it's not traditional anymore and not uh, uh, typical anymore. Like to get get money, get funded to move the needle. Yeah. Two in two two interesting uh, topics you covered, and I want to like uh, dive a dip, little deeper into a couple of things. One mm -hmm. is uh, Republic is kind of enabling uh, an additional round or additional mm -hmm. help to already raised, uh, let's say, a, a, a pre-seed startup comes Republic to get another round, which is not mm -hmm. typically a round per se. Uh, What's the trend that you are seeing right now in this market? Like, is it still happening? Gumroad is a you know is a separate example, right? They've already raised money and they want to like involve community, so they they went republic. Yeah, uh, even the situation it's... we are in. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, I just I think um, I feel like it still is, and I do think that there is an inclination now to almost. Um, look at options that are driven by community. And I think, again, this is not a Republic exclusive thing. I think party round was also like talking about like raising mm -hmm. from your community. Like there are so many different avenues now that are right. almost like fundraising tools where you already have a community. You have people who are excited about what you're building. And I think the accreditation status has been so limiting in the past that turning to people who are non-accredited, who want to write you smaller checks, but then really in aggregation, it's the same as maybe like one VC could write you. I think the, that's the perspective people are starting to kind of break down and just appreciate more because of what's happening in the market, because it's obviously going to be a lot harder to get one person to commit like, let's say 1.5 million versus if you have like mm. 500 to a thousand or even like there are so many companies that are pre-seed that maybe even have like 10,000 users. It's so much more likely mm -hmm. to be able to aggregate those smaller check sizes in this like recession right. and in this macro macroeconomic downturn we're seeing that lead you to actually continue to like extend your runway. The company can continue to grow. And I think even the founders who are like still raising VC or they're st they just closed around, they're coming to Republic because I think everyone's anticipating the recession and people want to extend their runway. So you can tack on, even if you do a round, you can extend your, um, your raise like via Republic and get on a few other months of runway to really like cushion mm. everything. So I feel like everything is also coming from this perspective of like wanting I guess like protection, protection maybe might might not be the right word, but I guess like some sort of cushioning really to start just like protecting right. companies because like, yeah, like eight, 10 months ago, people could raise so much money and obviously we're not in the same uh, situation anymore. <laughs> yeah. Crowd, so crowdfunding is kind of like a safety net. I mean, in a way, uh, it, it actually adds more 
uh it, there are like so many benefits you know i, I i'm mm-hmm. bullish on you know crowdfunding startups like republic uh, or wefunder they like you know mm-hmm. party round they're all uh involving community so two other follow up questions uh so are you suggesting so what are, what are some some interesting things that you're doing from a republic standpoint uh which is are you empowering founders like you know hey you've raised a seed fund come join republic we will help you raise like the safety net round whatever you know the crowd funding uh are you like and what kind of features or community initiatives are you taking up to educate you know a set of founders because not everyone is aware of uh the power of crowdfunding or community mm-hmm. funding uh what are some some initiatives you are you are leading at republic i'm just curious Yeah, no, I think it's a really important question and something that we kind of recently realized is Republic's whole mission has been about democratizing access to investing from the investor perspective mm. and from the founder perspective it's always been like allow your community, allow your customers, your users, really whatever the model is to invest in the company. And so um recently we've just kind of started thinking through Republic like what does our founder community mean and what does it look like? Because we have a lot of founders who are applying to Republic who um get referred to Republic by our, our vendors your partners and um we've never really like crafted out like what does this community look like and so this is definitely like a teaser because um, we're kind of launching some of this in the future in a few weeks but um republic mm. is actively looking at and kind of working towards like building out this founder community we've done a lot of events at like new york tech week south by southwest miami tech week um and we're looking to streamline everything largely centered around education and again not just education on republic but education on all types right. of alternative fundraising uh we're doing a conversation with SBB next tuesday for example all about alternative fundraising so Republic's founder community this is like a bit of a teaser again like we're going to launch a little bit more information soon but our entire mm. objective now is like founder education and founder resources right. founder guidance like we um I actually ran a program with Jenny Fielding last uh fall and it was like a pilot program with 30 founders a 6 week course all about fundraising so we had like Nice. all these different types of guests come on and the session that was the most popular were um founders literally looking at how a cap table dilutes from like pre-seed to like mm. series C and it sounds like very granular but it was literally our most popular uh event that we posted mm. because i think like these are the areas that people don't talk that much about there's a lot of panels about like how do you cold email like how do you do your pitch right. but there's not a lot of like <laughs> conversation like what does a cap table like dilution look like mm. like how should you set up your cap table how much equity do you get what does a term sheet look like so i think republic wants to eventually become uh, kind of like that resource like a reliable just community that founders can turn to where of course you're going to get education about what this fundraising looks like but you're also going to get education right. on like how to like cap table term sheet everything where you can get those logistics and kind of lean into it and just learn more. So that's um something we're working on very actively. I'm working on it at Republic um and awesome. you should hear more soon <laughs> when it comes to all those things just on Twitter and on Republic's Twitter. I love that. I love I love founder programs uh because they all you all you try to do is to like basically empower and educate founders which mm-hmm. which eventually ended up end up, you know, having like big businesses which will eventually open up a lot of opportunities so it's all positive some game in a way uh so one question i have is i think it's kind of like a like an elaborated discussion but i want to you know hear your take mm-hmm. 
what do you suggest for founders who are like they're 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 not into pre-seed anymore or they're trying to get into pre-seed or seed round uh and what do you suggest them to or what's your path you show to founders to raise money in this current situation with with all the market you know dipping and everything uh do you have like a framework uh you suggest for founders you 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 tell like you talk to many founders uh you, you advise them in a way so any tips or any frameworks that you want to share yeah i think like the framework that um i've always recommended has been like pinpointing first of all like companies that you see as your competitors i like to work backwards so i say in a especially in an environment like this getting as specific as possible with like the funds and the individuals you speak to are the best things you can do go and figure out every one of your competitors who is on their cap table like whether it's just like looking at their portfolios list all of those people out um and then just figure out if there's any other companies within the realm that they've invested in that are similar to yours list out all of those investors from angel investors pre-seed to maybe like seed and then pre-series a list all of those people out on a google spreadsheet i think every founder should have an mm-hmm. email list of like 50 investors or vcs that they really trust that they know is like not going to share their information send that google spreadsheet to 50 vcs and investors and ask them to put down like who they know in that list and then get warm introductions i think um it's like mm-hmm. super simple to do but every time i've done a warm introduction for a founder it almost always turns into like a positive um relationship a positive like connotation whether it's a partnership or they actually invest and so warm introductions right. are like in my opinion key to everything i know like cold emails are great and cold emailing is like awesome but it also is like much it's much 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 less of a hit rate than just like getting those warm introductions so i think a framework right. of just like building out very specific angel investors very very specific funds that you want to reach out to and then working backwards with your community again there's the community board but like really working with the vc community or investor community anyone who you know in the space and if you don't have a vc and investor community turn to like resources like republic brex um like mm-hmm. on deck day one there's so many founder communities just turn to to those and just start mm. to kind of build your network so i really do feel like those relationships are super important and that's kind of the framework that i take when it comes to reaching out i always encourage warm introductions i could like give so much other advice all i'm going to say is maybe follow me on twitter for when i explain <laughs> this but um right. i really think that's like the best the best way to do it just working backwards and creating that like t- super targeted list that you want to go after and then getting people to help facilitate warm introductions so that's very interesting right like i i'm a i have like a different opinion on warm introductions but uh, <laughs> i'm more more into like cold cold dms and cold emails because that's always worked for me well mm-hmm. a couple couple follow up que- questions there one is when you when you talk about warm introductions uh so th- it's more of like network effects right you know someone and you kind of like pay, place an ask to mm-hmm. get an intro to someone who you are targeting and yeah. do you have like a like a formula there for founders so they can actually use it like how do they place the ask it's always awkward right like because you know someone and you're kind of uh asking them to share your uh your what do you call uh your debt you know your yeah. social capital you want to like they want to share your social capital which is kind of okay i guess but how do founders navigate that like uh, hey hey zahra would, would you love 
would love to have an intro f- for Naval. <laughs> That's like a plain simple ask. But <laughs> what do you what do you see and what makes a warm intro work? Yeah, so I think like when it comes to just like asking a VC or asking an investor to facilitate an introduction um or even just like proposing that and sending over that spreadsheet, I think framing it from the founder perspective to the investor behind like you've every like we've had this conversation in the past you've added this value to me here's the spreadsheet like no pressure if you don't like if you don't know anyone or no pressure to actually like mm. go into the spreadsheet and add stuff because i mean i think at the end of it and at the end of the day people forget that like half the reason that i'm able to like talk to so many vcs and refer so many deals is because i get a lot of founders asking me to do this and then i will make introductions to um vcs and then those conversations will just snowball so i almost think from the founder perspective like think about it less from just like using the social capital but also think about it more like you are also facilitating you're helping that vc because deal flow and mm-hmm. like referring deal flow um and introductions is also a way that like vcs start to rely on one another and create their own network effects and strengthen their own bonds i um have like a bunch of vcs that i've referred deals to started as just like very like acquaintance levels and now because i've mm. referred a lot of deals to them where founders ask me to introduce like send their deck over to them we have a better relationship so i feel like almost reframing it and thinking about it from that perspective where like vcs also benefit from this is mm. a way to kind of frame it and then also just like find people who are advocates for you i i okay here's my opinion i think <laughs> you should only like i really think that people especially vcs should lead with kindness and if you are feeling like there's even a slight level of like they're insinuating you're using them i feel like that's just not even a relationship to like bolster because i think the people who care about founders like myself like yourself like mm-hmm. a lot of people want to help and want to pay right. it forward obviously that doesn't mean that it's always going to happen people are busy right. but i think even just like framing the ask keeping it very simple and realizing that if they decide to engage with it or not it's completely up to them but i I would always phrase it around just like you can see and how people respond and then choose to right. engage with the ones who respond positively um accordingly to that behavior that you're seeing. That's absolutely true. I I want to like highlight a couple of things which you mentioned which is mm-hmm. always have uh, an exit door, offer an exit door so that it, the 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 receiver won't feel, you know, obliged like they're mm-hmm. like they're we're insisting them to like hey do it <laughs> or pressurizing them to like make it happen. Yeah. so that itself means like you're you're okay with having you know zero expectations so it it kind of builds a builds a good rapport between you and the receiver and and again i feel most of most of the people at least i know in 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 tech and startups they genuinely want to help founders they they want to yeah. they want the founders to win so mm-hmm. uh and i feel you know it's it's about like breaking that awkwardness and actually placing a specific ask. Mm-hmm. So I love that a lot and the other point you mentioned is always like start with uh sharing a value, uh sharing mm-hmm. some sort of value to the receiver so that mm-hmm. it it won't feel like a simple ask per se. So have like a just to summarize have like a you know have some sort of value for the receiver. Keep it keep the ask very simple and at the end open open an exit door so that they can actually, yeah. you know, like say yeah. hey it, it, this is like this can't work and you're okay with that so i love yeah. that framework uh thanks for sharing you should yeah, you should maybe like write more about uh how to do like uh you know yeah I, i feel like i should i feel like i should <laughs>
Um, and I mean, I know the like cold intro versus warm intro thing is such a point of contention in like the VC right. Twitter ecosystem. But honestly, the last thing that I'd add is don't underestimate the impact of analysts and associates because analysts and associates mm. are going to be taking your deals to the investment committee and like advocating for you. So sometimes right. if there's like a G if there's like a GP, a partner, VP, whatever that you really admire, figure out like who the associates and analysts mm. are at the fund and right. they're more likely to respond to you and shepherd your deal as opposed to like right. cold emailing or even getting a warm introduction to someone who's higher up just because they tend to be busier and analysts and associates like myself, like we have the time and want to like go through everything and, and be helpful and it helps bolster our careers too. So that's the last piece of information that I'd probably recommend. Yeah, that's a, that's an amazing hack. I love that. I love that so much. So uh, I have like one last question before we wrap things up, which is uh, what are some lessons uh, you want to pass along uh, to folks who want to get into, you know, venture capital, uh, you know, being a senior associate at Republic, you know, becoming, uh, going from intern to where you are. What are some things you feel uh, that people should pick, uh, like going from traditional investing to like, you know, the thing you did? Yeah, I think a huge part of it is really like figure out what you want. And it doesn't have to be like so specific, like I want to do like pre-seed fintech investing. It can be really as like as generic as I want to learn about like how to how to like present something to an investment committee, or I want to learn how to do due diligence, or I want to learn how a balance sheet can inform hmm. an investment decision. It can be really generic, overarching statements like that. And I think going in with a perspective of what do you want to learn? It could be, I want to learn how to deal source. I want to learn technicality. And most funds have like a structure like that, where some funds rely like a lot on just like sourcing and getting a, a lot of companies referred to them. Some focus a lot more on like technical technical technicalities, TAM, looking at balance sheets, looking right, at financial right. statements. So figure out like which direction you want to go into, what you want to learn, and then figure out what firms focus on that. Because I think VC, people often forget that VC is an industry, but there's like very, very granular, like you could go from like a pre-seed fintech fund that does like super focused like diligence and mm. has an investment equity, but you could also do like a seed stage consumer fund that focuses a lot more on like I don't know, a product and cares mm -hmm. most about that. Like there's so many different avenues. So figuring out what that avenue you're looking for, I think from like a service level is something that I would recommend. I knew that I like had no idea. And Republic <laughs> was kind of the perfect company to start working at because I like right. talked to so many different types of founders. I'll talk to like B2B SaaS pre-seed founder and then like mm. series B, like um, consumer social founders, like 30 minutes apart. And that's been like super informative to my career because I've looked at all their different balance sheets, all their financials, and Love I've that. learned so much about various industries. So this is why Republic was the perfect fit for me and just like kind of figure out like what's the perfect right. fit for you? What do you want to spend your time doing? Do you want to spend more time doing diligence? Do you want to spend more time talking to founders? And right. so many funds will make it very clear on their websites like which direction they prioritize so right. that's just something i highly recommend and I, I knew i had no idea so republic was like the perfect opportunity and i was like right. there's no other company where i can do vc stuff and be a startup operator at the same time mm. so it was such a perfect opportunity for me i love that i think in short what you're suggesting is niche down niche down yeah. to what you really like if you are into like Crypto, you know, just focus on that. If you're into SaaS, focus on that. I feel mm -hmm. Republic is like a buffet where you have pretty much <laughs> everybody is like, you know, on it. Uh, so, 
Zahra, thank you so much for uh, for your time. This has been great. I mean, you know, kind of like almost gave a masterclass about raising money in recession. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how to raise money in recession, or what what are some tips and you know some frameworks? Uh, I love those frameworks, especially I think the love love uh, the way you specifically pointed out how to do like a warm intro, you know, and get get the ball rolling, and so many other things. So lastly. uh what you're up to if you want to like share uh you know where people can find you uh this you know take take it away yeah um you can find me on my twitter and my username is zara nakvi with an underscore after it i think the one thing that i'll say is i think this whole conversation is kind of like a teaser like look into everything that republic has kind of happening um i'm really excited to be working on our founder community i i care a lot about supporting founders and so just stay tuned there for a lot of the things that we're planning to do um across like awesome. the country but then hopefully internationally as well i love that i'm rooting for you big time yeah you know folks just stay tuned for for the big announcement coming from zehra and republic uh but thanks thanks for uh taking time zara this has been like so much fun uh talking to you about vc and everything else yeah of course it was really really nice being on and thank you so much for having me awesome uh all right guys that's that's the end of this episode stay tuned for the next one cheers <laughs>